In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Typically, each episode of The Burn is a ripped from the headlines type situation, albeit the headlines are all Wildfire Magazine based. Our format is we publish an essay or poem, and then the writer comes on The Burn to pull back the curtain and give us a fresh take on their published piece and their writing process. We're going to flip that script just a little bit today and share with you a writer who was published on our social media. Recently, we were highlighting stories of writers who've been living more than five years since diagnosis day. And so our writer today was one of the pieces we published on our social. So if you're not yet following us on Instagram, I would encourage you to head over there and do so. Check out the show notes for that link and you'll see lots of stories, writing prompts, gorgeous pictures, and more. All right. So today's storyteller is Justine Egan Kunicki. Justine is a breast cancer advocate, social psychologist, professor, and yoga teacher. She was diagnosed with stage 1B breast cancer at 23 years old. And later, after living with her implants for 10 years, she explanted or removed the implants to an aesthetic flat closure at age 33. Justine teaches a weekly meditation class to folks impacted by cancer and aims to share the healing power of yoga as a life practice after a cancer diagnosis. She has learned about the importance of connecting back to one's body and breath after cancer as an intentional way and aims to share that with others. Welcome to The Burn, Justine. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Me too. All right. So you are reading two things for us today. The first is a poem called From Enemy to Friend. And the second is a meditation that you wrote called Observing Your Breath with Loving Kindness. For those of you listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Justine, I'll let you take it away. Thank you so much. So this is my poem I wrote from Enemy to Friend. I move my body into new shapes struggling in my changed body, but listening to my ragged breath with intention, finding compassion for it, slowing down for it, being with it for the first time in years. I sit now in my oncologist's office, but this time I find my breath again and again, reminding myself that every time I inhale is a renewal. I remove the weights on my chest, that were there for nine years too long. Waking from my explant surgery, I take my first full breath in almost a decade. This is what it felt like to breathe. I missed you, I whisper. I run 
something I never could do prior. My feet hitting the pavement, Lizzo in my ears, my breath heavy but flowing. Mile marker five, then seven, and 13. Finally, I see the finish line. I cross, filling my body with my breath, and I smile. My breath and I have found each other, like reunited lovers discovering each other anew. I love my breath when it is quick, for that's my body telling me to listen closely. I love my breath when it is slow, for that's my body reminding me to be grateful, mindful. I love my breath, for it is me. Now I'll move into the meditation. I'm observing your breath with loving kindness. And so loving kindness or a metta meditation is all about cultivating kindness for yourself and others through the use of positive statements. In this meditation, you will be encouraged to invite love and compassion for your own breath. And so I invite you to find yourself in a comfortable way. This might be sitting up on a cushion on the floor, in a chair, or on a couch. You can also be lying down with your feet flat on the floor, maybe bringing your knees towards the sky. But either way, bring your arms to your thighs or your knees if you're seated, or along your sides if you're lying down. And once you fully get comfortable, you can either bring your gaze down or close your eyes, whichever feels safe in your body today. And then I invite you to begin this practice by just simply noticing your breath. What does it sound like? Does it sound fast and caught up? Or does it sound slow and smooth? Whatever your breath sounds like, remember, there is no need to change it. This is your breath at this moment. Simply observe your breath for the next five to 10 breaths or so. How does your breath sound now? Taking a moment to notice and simply observe. Next, how does your breath feel? You might imagine this pathway of your breath as it enters your nostrils, filling your belly and expanding your chest as you inhale. And as you exhale, your belly and chest fall gently and you might notice the air that leaves your nostrils is slightly warmer than when it entered. Following that cycle of your breath again and again, 
in and out. How does your breath feel now? Continue to observe. And if you find your mind wandering throughout this meditation practice, remember that's normal. That is human. I encourage you to view each inhale that you take as a reset. If you find yourself lost in thought, Use your next inhale to bring you back to this present moment. Inhaling and then exhaling again and again. Inviting yourself back with love. And as you breathe, you might use this moment to repeat the following statements silently, or you might whisper them from a place of loving kindness. You might imagine sending yourself these waves of compassion for yourself and your breath. May I be attentive to my breath. May I be kind to my breath. May I be at ease with my breath. May I be at peace with my breath. May I be attentive. May I be kind. May I be at ease. May I be at peace. May I be attentive. May I be kind. May I be at ease. May I be at peace. Taking a moment to notice how do you feel? How did it feel to send yourself this type of compassion? Next, I invite you to think about a person in your life. This could be another breast cancer impacted person or someone else you care for. Imagine them in your mind's eye. 
sending waves of loving kindness their way. Repeating the statements to yourself, either silently or whispering them. Sending this love. May you be attentive to your breath. May you be kind to your breath. May you be at ease with your breath. May you be at peace with your breath. May you be attentive. May you be kind. May you be at ease. May you be at peace. May you be attentive. May you be kind. May you be at ease. May you be at peace. Taking a moment to continue to send that love towards this being. And you might even imagine what it feels like to be loved by them. How it felt to send compassion to someone you love and to be loved. Finally, bringing your gaze out to a larger group of people, whether that is the breast cancer community as a whole or the world at large. Envisioning these folks in your mind's eye and repeating the following statements, either silently or whispering them to yourself. May we all be attentive to our breath. May we all be kind to our breath. May we all be at ease with our breath. May we all be at peace with our breath. May we all be attentive. May we all be kind. May we all be at ease. May we all be at peace. May we all be attentive. May we all be kind. May we all be at ease. May we all be at peace. 
taking this moment to notice how does it feel to send loving kindness for your breath to yourself and to others. You can release the affirmations now and return back to your breath. How do you feel now? How does your breath feel now? And I close this meditation with a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Your body is your first home. Breathing in, I arrive in my body. Breathing out, I am home. Reminding ourselves when we bring attention, kindness, and ease to our breath, we can work towards cultivating peace within ourselves. You can gently wiggle your fingertips and your toes, slowly releasing yourself, coming back into conscious awareness. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you so much. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for that gift today, Justine. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will chat. Hi friends, there is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from wildfire magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. I attended my first wildfire workshop uh, probably about six months after my initial diagnosis. And truly, wildfire has become such an integral part of my healing journey. It's hard to even find the words to express how much this has really, really helped me find my feet again after some truly terrible turmoil and also flex some creative muscles that I had on the back burner for far too long. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome and encouragement. Wildfire. You're just the best. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Jen. Okay, turning back to you, Justine, thank you again for your poetry and your beautiful meditation for us. It was definitely a burn first. We've never done anything like that before. And it was kind of, um, it was surreal for me to hold space for you to do that as both a, a host and also partaking. So thank you so much. That was really wonderful. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I want to 
I want to chat about this and I love all of the different ways that you made me think about breath. And I tend to think of writing and sharing writing as kind of an inhale and exhalation process, you know, with writing being the inhale and then speaking it aloud being the exhale. I, um, I guess I want to come back to your poem first and this story of X planning. Can you, um, I guess, take us a little behind the scenes. Like when did you decide that you were going to X plant and did it have to do with not being able to breathe as deeply as you wanted? Or did you realize that after? Yeah. So it definitely was about a couple of years ago and I had had a capsule contracture a couple of years before that and was just dealing with pain um, and I always had realized I couldn't re- breathe as deeply with my implants, but I think once I experienced pain and discomfort, that worsened. And so I, I was pretty aware that that was something I was pretty consistently dealing with. However, I think it really didn't hit me until the moment I woke up from surgery and I still, you know, I had the staples and the stitches and I still still was able to breathe deeper than I ever had. And I was, I knew that for me, it was the right decision to explant, um, at that time. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious if, you know, breath and, and thinking about breath was a part of your life prior to breast cancer, or has this been something that you've kind of slowly cultivated as part of your survivorship? So I think my movement practice of yoga was part of my life prior to cancer. I definitely did practice, but more sporadically. Uh, And then about four or five years ago, I wanted to find a better path of healing for myself through my survivorship uh, because I wasn't approaching that in the way I wanted to be. I, I felt I was struggling and I wanted to connect back to my body that felt very, it had become very clinical. Mm-hmm. for quite some time. And so coming back to my yoga practice, coming back to my breath was a way for me to connect to a body that I felt wasn't mine for quite some time and that I felt very disconnected to. Um, and so it was just a way to, for me to come back. So it was definitely more in my survivorship that I embraced this idea of my breath and really having more of an awareness of it. Mm-hmm. So remind me when you were diagnosed, how far out are you from diagnosis day? So I, I'm over 10 years now. I had my 10 year cancer anniversary, uh, this past July, 2022. So it'll be 11 years, this July, 2023 for time context for folks listening. Yes. And we'll be, um, although you and I are talking in April, we'll be publishing this pretty close, I think, to your cancer anniversary. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, so I always like to ask people who I run into, you know, who have, you know, 10 years, 15 years, et cetera. How, what is it like for you to stay in the cancer space? And have you kind of come and gone? Or I don't know, just how do you feel about being in cancer land 10 years on? That's a great question. I initially, when I was diagnosed, I was like, I say, I want to say I was in it, but when I was diagnosed there, like there weren't this many resources that are exist today. Um, Mm -hmm. Resources like this, that were (laughs) literally the space that we're talking, right? These didn't exist in that way. 
And so I think I was in it in the extent that made sense at the time, different forums and spaces. Uh, but then I took some time off and I, I said, you know, I, I need space from cancer uh, because this is, it was overwhelming uh, leaving active treatment. And so I did that for a few years. And I think I really needed to process what it meant for me being a survivor and really processing the trauma of that. And once I kind of was able to sit down, you know, with therapy and through my yoga practice and just all these different kind of resources, I found myself wanting to come back into kind of cancer land spaces because I I wanted to be able to be a resource for people that for others, because I really didn't have those types of resources when I was diagnosed and I wanted to do better for like past me, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a huge part of my motivation as well. Um, I'm 12 years out. Um, actually, I'm not. I'm 11 years out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speeding up the clock. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the resources like, um, you know, what we're talking about here didn't really exist. Or if they were, they were harder to find. Um, yes. And so, yeah, definitely wanting to help others have a better experience of it for sure. It's very motivating. Um, coming back to your explant and your decision to go with athletic uh, flat closure, which for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, that's when you have um, reconstruction that is not breast mount reconstruction, which is just flat. And I myself am half flat, um, having had a unilateral mastectomy. Do you think, uh, my question for you is, do you think that you could have gone flat from the get-go or was that part of a, a process, you know, of coming to know yourself and your body? I think that's a complicated question to truly answer because for several reasons. I think one, I was really young and so I, I think I tell myself that was the best decision for me at the time. But I also wasn't ever given the option to go flat. Um, I wasn't told that that was a viable option for me at my age. It was, do you want saline or silicone? This was this is pretty right. much what I was told, right? And so, and again, that's it's fine in the sense that that was probably for me the decision I would have made. Um, but it's I'm not sure if that was if I was if it was more normalized about women going flat and women my age making that as a choice, which I think we see much more public conversation about that today, which is beautiful. But that wasn't the case when I was diagnosed. And the people that I knew that were flat were at least 40 to 50, 60 years older than myself. And so I was like, how do I live in that way? And, you know, the expectation was that I would have breast mount reconstruction. And so I think looking back, I probably would have made the same decision because at the time that probably was the best decision for me. But I think knowing the issues I would have and the consequences of that, um, it's, you know, in hindsight, I would say, no, I would I would have loved to know about the option to go fly and what that could have looked like for me. And so I think just like anything else, there's, you know, you can't self-blame or engage in any of those kind of, you know, thought processes around any reconstruction that you someone might engage in. I think it's more just what decisions can I make going forward that are going to best support me in my cancer survivorship. And I, and I say that to anyone like that is like, maybe they want to explain, maybe they want to go to deep flap, like whatever that looks like, folks have to make the decision that makes the best sense for them and their bodies. And for me, that this at this stage in my life and being a survivor as long as I had been, this was the best decision. 
but I don't know necessarily whether it would have been different. So, yeah, well, and I just love this idea of you and your body being changeable, you know, and that you can make different decisions and choices the older you get and having to make decisions in your twenties that, you know, might live with you for, for many decades, hopefully, right? Like knock on wood. Um, but yeah, that's hard. And also having to make those decisions in the environment, the pressure cooker of, you know, we're dealing with cancer and everything feels like an emergency. And we make a lot of decisions for that moment, not thinking about, you know, what it might be like to live with that long term. Um, so I just love the example of hearing people, still being works in progress, you know, and figuring it out. Um, I want to turn to your, to the meditation. And again, thank you for, for the gift of that breath today, that kindness. Um, do you, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or tips around the writing of meditations. I've never thought until you were reading it aloud, what that process might look like to write a meditation. Can you take us a little behind the scenes? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is seeing different models of it. So like meditating with different folks, um, just like you would read different books or different writers to get a sense of style. I think it's the same idea. And, you know, you learn about this was one type of meditation. There are others. And so um, I think it's come really comes from just experiencing it yourself so that you can really just like any like we write from our experiences. I would argue it's the same idea in this context. It's just experiencing it for yourself because then you, when you're writing it, you're really able to think about what would that experience potentially be like for someone else. And so it I think that's for me been the biggest thing is my own practice around it. Mm hmm. Well, and I like this idea, you know, there's lots of different types of writing, but this idea of writing for specifically for community or for someone mm -hmm. else to experience in their body. I think a lot of writing we experience in our bodies. I mean, when you were reading your poem, I was feeling it in my body. When I have other guests on to read essays, I feel it. But having a meditation that is specifically drawing attention to the body is such a beautiful like bridge between words on the page, words spoken, and then, you know, following instructions in the body. I just, I, I, I just really love all of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go, do you have any tips for anyone who maybe has never done any kind of meditation or they just think that they are not a person who can meditate. They've tried it. Their monkey brain went bananas and they're like, that's not me. Do you, do you have any tips there? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing I've learned from my own kind of training and experiences with different instructors and just my own reading of different sources is really one. Um, if you find yourself struggling to sit, it might be helpful to engage in like a more physical yoga practice first. So like, um, you know, what we call asana, the, the physical movement practice, because, and again, that doesn't have to be these really big, fast movements, but just moving your body initially um, can help quiet the mind and then help prepare your body for sitting. Um, also being open to different types of meditation. So sometimes like this might not resonate for some folks and that's okay. Um, there's body scans and there are walking meditations and there's other types of ways in which to engage in being mindful in your body that are beyond just one single type. And so I think it's also, so 
being open to different types of meditations. And then the last piece I would advise or suggest is just also acknowledging that it's practice. It's literally called a practice for a reason. It's not perfection. And I think people will have the misnomer of going into a practice like this of it must be perfect. And if my mind is wandering, I'm doing something wrong. That's not true at all. There are some days I meditate and my mind is in 30 different directions because I'm stressed. And then there's other days where I find I'm able to quiet my mind pretty quickly. And so it's really just acknowledging the humanness of that and that some days your practice is going to be amazing and you're going to leave feeling really good. And then there's going to be days you might leave feeling a little unsettled and that's part of it and it's part of the journey of it. And so for anyone that is, you know, interested in wanting to explore that, uh, especially any of my cancer impacted friends, like, you know, I invite you to try, um, you know, in the space I offer, but also just to try it on your own. Um, it can be supportive just to, to continue to try to make it a consistent part of your day, even five minutes. And, you know, you can build up over time, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I love the idea too, that there's so many different types. Um, makes me think about serving vegetables to kids, you know, maybe they don't like sauteed broccoli, but they really like (laughs) raw broccoli with dip or something like there's just lots of different ways to approach a new thing and figure out how to make it work. Um, and I love what you said about walking meditation. I think that that might be my jam. So thank you so much (laughs) for that. Well, I know I'm going to be bookmarking this session and and definitely listening to your meditation over and over again. So Justine, thank you so much for that. I wonder where people can find you online and and learn more about you. Yeah, the best place to find me would be my Instagram page, which is at yoga with Jess. So nothing too crazy. Um, But that would be the best place where I kind of talk about any potential offerings that I have, um, as well as just kind of share about my own experience as a cancer survivor. So. Perfect. Well, we'll be sure to link to not only your page in general, but also our post of of your poem on our page. So thank you again for that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we before we close? No, just thank you so much. And yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you so much. Well, my guest today has been Justine Egan Kuniki. She read to us her poem from Enemy to Friend and offered a meditation of observing your breath with loving kindness. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find our 40 plus issues in the wildfire archives and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Here is your writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes and write this on your page. One thing that's true today is, one thing that's true today is, what is that one thing and what do you know about it? If you reach the end of that one thing, go back and write another one thing and continue this list of true things for eight minutes. Write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. 
And if you want more prompts, head to wildfirecommunity.org free where I've compiled lots of prompts for you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.